On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I had the pleasure of talking to Garrett Akerson from Kindred Bravely. Uh, we talked about what their growth looked like, how they started out as a predominantly Amazon brand, and we're able to switch that from 95.5 over to 70.30 on the actual brand side. Really amazing conversation. We talked about all sorts of stuff. You guys are going to get a ton out of this episode today. Hey guys, before we begin, I want to talk to you about how to grow your e-commerce brand in a post iOS 14.5 world. If you're doing over seven figures in D to C, you need to hear this. Back when Facebook ads were absolutely crushing it and driving massive amounts of revenue, setting up basic flows and sending out occasional email campaigns used to cut it, SMS marketing included. You'd see it constantly and so would we when we were looking at accounts at Mindful Marketing. Brands earning 20 to 45% of their total revenue with email marketing with maybe three to four hours of work a month and that's because they just set up some basic flows and then silence but now that the facebook algorithm has stopped spitting out such ridiculous returns where do we go retention but it requires marketers to go deeper than simple templated flows and copy and pasted campaigns which we've seen all the time it requires actually having a system that increases the ltv of your customers and then actually realizing that entire customer lifetime value in a shorter period of time and hopefully even searing a higher LTV. We're saddened to see brands do all the same things with their emails and SMS, and we're sick of auditing agency accounts who simply set up welcome flows and show off how many sales they make. Anyone can set up a welcome flow, abandoned cart flow, etc. That is the simple stuff, guys. The real key in retention marketing is digging deep into your market, copy, offer, your creative, and then pairing that with a strategy that turns one-time buyers into two-time buyers, into three-time buyers, and on and on, just like we've seen at our brands. So if you want to find out exactly Exactly how deep our retention marketing strategy goes, book a quick wins call with our team and we will show you exactly how we drive more repeat sales for our clients and hopefully how you can too. Go to mindfulmarketing.co slash quick wins. That's mindfulmarketing.co slash quick wins, all one word. Now on to today's episode. Hey guys, understanding where and why I lose potential customers on my site is really difficult and using Google Analytics is not easy. I have to get my developers involved with coding events and I also struggle just to get clear-cut answers. There's endless piles of data. I find myself making assumptions on where and when the card abandoners occur, when they drop out. It's kind of a nightmare. Luckily, there's a better way of getting to the core of my results, Oribi. E-commerce owners who use Oribi have doubled their ROI and it's easy to understand why. Oribi makes building and analyzing funnels a walk in the park and you'll be able to see in seconds where the leaks in your visitor flow are. Oribi tells you which channels to focus your resources on, which areas of content have the most impact on your conversions, and how well your marketing campaigns are performing. And since Oribi automatically tracks all the events on your site completely code-free, you'll be independent of developers too, which is great. With Arebi's plain English insights, you'll know exactly what steps to take to increase your conversion rates. No more guesswork. So start your free trial at oribi.io. That's O-R-I-B-I.io. And mention that Jordan West sent you. Also, use the code ecommerce20 for 20% off your first payment. Guys, you will not regret this. Hey guys, Jordan West back here with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Today I am joined by Garrett Akerson from Kindred Bravely. Garrett, welcome. 
Jordan, nice to meet you. Thank you. Yes, yes, you too. I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, this conversation. I've heard about you guys for a long time. For people who know nothing about you or Kindred Bravely, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you guys do. Sure, yeah. Kindred Bravely was founded by my wife and I in 2015. And at the time, my wife was breastfeeding our youngest and couldn't find anything comfortable. And I was looking to uh, do something in the e-commerce space and came up with this crazy idea to launch a breastfeeding and maternity brand. And here we are six years later, we have over 80 team members and sell all across the US and Canada and have team members all over the world as well at this point, US, Canada, Philippines, Ukraine. It's pretty exciting. Gary, that's a a pretty big team. I was just thinking the other day, I was counting between our different business units that we own and we have about 50 and I'm like, this is crazy. I can't handle this amount of people. That's a big endeavor. That's awesome. Did you know anything about this when you got into it? Like, did you know anything about the nursing and maternity world before you guys got into it? No. Uh, not at all. Yeah. Apparel, we knew nothing about apparel, knew nothing about maternity or breastfeeding, learned it all on the fly. I mean, the beauty of living in the age we live in, you can be Googling in one screen and talking to a manufacturer in the other screen. It's it's really incredible. I mean, comparatively to like when I first started, my, my first endeavor was hoverboards. And I remember just being like, this is incredible that I can just like email a, a manufacturer and they'll just like send things over. And it was really opened up my eyes to like, what is actually possible in this time frame? So 2015, I'm sure that there were some mistakes that you made that you made along the way. How did you guys walk walk me through how you guys started platform wise, manufacturing, all of that kind of stuff? Yeah. So similar to your venture, it was uh, Alibaba is where we started for looking for manufacturers and was literally in one screen, you know, Googling what's GSM, you know, because they were like, hey, what GSM do you want? Yeah. You know. All these questions. And um, yeah, we'll put in our first order. It was a pair of black pajamas in four sizes is what we launched with. And quickly realized that pajamas, they while they don't sell the best in the summer, they, they did start picking up in the fall that we needed to add. Just looking at demand, we needed to add a bra or bras. So really early on, just looking at uh, search demand is really what we did. Instead of inventing a market, we just went where the market was. And uh, so we launched two bras shortly after that. And everything's been designed in-house. My wife, she knew what she wanted. She couldn't find it. So it was, you know, this this perfect match. I had been running a digital advertising agency prior to starting Kinder Bravely. So I focused on marketing and finance and my wife focused on product and customer. And it was just the two of us that first year. We launched on Amazon.com and on Shopify from day one. Okay. We only focused all our energy as far as pushing sales through Amazon's channel in the beginning. And how was that starting as an Amazon predominant brand at that time? Were you finding, like, were you doing your search research through Amazon? Is that is that where you were finding the demand for these products? Or was it Google slash Amazon? What, what did that look like? It was all Amazon. So at the time, I had been spending a lot of time in my other role looking at, at Amazon. And it was really hot in 2015. That was when, like, there was those amazing selling machine and all those different, you know, info products out there for like launching and selling on Amazon. And A9 was really, for lack of a better word, easy to kind of game. You could, it was like Google 2005. You could understand how the search algorithm worked and you could see data. Yeah. So it was all looking at search demand on Amazon, which, I mean, it's going to correlate 
to general search data anyway. Absolutely. So that's I, I just looked at Amazon search data and rankings for, you know, basically product rankings to see how much demand there was. Because you can see the, you know, the selling rank, the BSR for a product where you could at the time. Were you using or are you still using tools to manage that now? We do. We use uh, Manage by Stats. It's kind of wonky, old interface, but great tool. And That's funny. That's not one of the ones that I've heard on the Amazon side. Yeah, yeah. It's super old school. We still use that one as as far as just overall monitoring. We use seller.tools. I don't know if you've heard of that one as well for like the the search side and rankings, like looking at where we are in rankings and how our, our page ranks from content perspective. So what's the mix now, Garrett? We're in, you know, 2021. We've just gone through Black Friday, Cyber Monday 2021, which was an interesting year, I think, for for a lot of brands. What's the mix now, Amazon versus own channels? Yeah, so it's in the beginning, it would have been 95% Amazon. And to fast forward to today, we're probably 30% Amazon. Depends on the month, anywhere from 25% to 35% Amazon. That's a big shift to make. What do you credit the shift moving over from Amazon? Because we we also run, you know, one of our business units is a marketing agency. And we've had a lot of people come to us who are predominantly Amazon sellers. Like, hey, look, we, we need to get, you know, we need to diversify and get off. And it's difficult. It's not an easy task to get people off of Amazon, especially when you have all of the customers there, right? And then you have to build out this whole ecosystem. What did that look like moving people over? I think we were fortunate in that the space we're in made it a bit easier than some others probably. Uh, We're not a quote commodity product. And so I would say we started in 2017. So two years in, the first two years, we just focused on Amazon. And really when we started making the switch, it all came down to really content marketing and just building out that brand, brand image. So for example, 2017 in February, February, March of 2017, we decided we were going to really make the push into own store sales on Shopify on kinderbravely.com. So we hired a Pinterest manager, a Instagram manager, a Facebook manager, and an email marketing manager. Wow. And just started That's a big marketing content. department that you just spun up there. <laughs> yeah. Most, I feel like most sub 10 million brands are hiring one person to act as all of that or potentially, you know, parsing some of it out to agencies. Yeah. And having run an agency, I was just never a fan of generalists. I still am not to this day. Um, I think if you get specialists that really own their channel and that's all they're focused on, you just get better results because then their resources aren't spread across multiple channels. I, I mean, you can do it, but you just end up one channel gets just relegated to like the bottom of the pile. Yeah, 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 totally get that. Yeah, and then we were able to hire like amazing team members that loved our brand. So that was something we hadn't realized at the t- at, in the beginning when we started, it, that it was customers. All, all four of those team members were customers that like loved the brand. And were like, oh, we'd love to come work for you. And they were experts in their own right. Like our to this day, like our Instagram manager was an influencer, had like twenty thousand plus followers, and our account had like fifty. Wow. So it was, you know, she knew the recipe. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. So fast forward now a, a little bit. Let's talk about what has led to your success.
success over the years, you know, scaling into that sort of level. What do you attribute that to on, is, is it on the product side? Is it on the marketing side? Is it team members? Talk me through that a little bit, Gary. I'd say both. I think you can scale. If, well, first you have to have great marketing. You can scale a, a lousy product with great marketing, but I just don't think you end up it doesn't have legs in the end. So I think where we have succeeded is product is phenomenal. My wife just designed in the in the early days what she wanted and she was the customer. So I think one, designing for yourself helps if you know, you really know the space and what you want. Yeah. But then you can have a phenomenal, I mean, we both know Jordan, you can have a phenomenal product and if you don't have good marketing, you're not going anywhere. When we say, we see that all the time, right? With like these great products, you know, small Shopify stores, maybe they're at markets and you're like, dang, that product could be like massive. But if they don't know what to do with it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So I think, you know, I see too often teams that are like, they have a great product, but nobody on that team can market or knows how to market. I just think it's doomed to fail. So if I had to pick one thing, I'd say marketing, building the team around marketing and just marketing in general. Yeah, that's funny you say that because we joke at one of our American companies that we are just a marketing company that happens to sell products. Right? (laughs) We say the same thing. (laughs) Yep. And obviously the product people, you know, don't love that when we say that, but it's really true, right? And then, you know, when you get that higher customer lifetime value, that comes from the word of mouth and comes from the product actually being good. In the maternity space, how do you guys get repeat purchases? I mean, besides, I I, I guess, between pregnancies, but also having a good product, like talk me through that. Yeah, you don't. I mean, short answer is you don't. We do now. So it's fun to see being six years in now, you know, moms coming back on, on, you know, their second or third child. So that is fun. It's neat to see repeats that way. But really, this brand isn't built on repeats. I think that's one reason we focused on AOV more than LTV as Mm. far as scaling. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I, I really get that. Um, are you guys, and answer this if, if you like, have you guys bootstrapped this the entire way? We did, yeah. I was running another company at the time, so took funds from that, bootstrapped and started this company and uh, all, all the way until this year, 2021. So we just took an outside investment from a private equity firm uh, in April of this year, April of 2021. Garrett, I, I feel like I've almost got the, like I'm not even recording the episode right now because just, I'm just very interested because we're we're in a very similar stage in a couple of our businesses. What's that like having a private equity partner? Is that like having a boss now? It does not feel like having a boss at all. I, I You hear that all the time, that it does feel like that. That's what terrifies me about taking any private equity company or any private equity money. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, granted, we're a little over six months in now. It has not felt like that at all. I think the key is really choosing the right partner. You got to be really careful. So what um, does their involvement look like on that side? And, yeah. And I so I will say, Jordan, I've heard that from a ton of other founders. And I still know the statistic is a founders, uh, founder typically only stays 18 months post, you know, outside investment. And yeah, so we lucked out. I think we're definitely in the minority. The private equity firm that uh, did a majority investment in Kinder Bravely is a New York firm called TZP. And they've come to the table and just been like, hey, how can we help? How can we add resources? You know, how can we accelerate your growth? And we're not operators. We're not here to operate your company. We're just here to help. So yeah. Which is different than other private equity companies, right? Because lots of times private equity companies will come in, sweep up the majority of it, fire a bunch of people, implement their systems and their shared backend, right? And I think that's what people get scared 
unheard of when they hear of private equity money. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, we did our due diligence. So I would say step one, any one of your listeners thinking about, you know, taking outside investment, either majority or minority, really do your do your due diligence. Talk to other portfolio companies, ones that even aren't listed on their site, preferably. So, you know, we we were fortunate enough that we could we were able to talk to a few and and heard, you know, glowing reviews similar to what we've experienced. You know, there was another entrepreneur I talked to that said, you know, my job five years in has not changed since day one. I still do everything I did pre-acquisition, pre-investment. Hmm. I think it, it's definitely the minority. It's pretty rare uh, that 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 happens. Yeah, yeah, I, I've got some some friends right now, some in our mastermind who have gone through recent acquisitions, and it's uh, I don't think that's always the case <laughs> yeah. from from the private conversations that I've had. So, uh, Garrett, I got to ask you the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast: What is your secret to scaling? Secret to scaling is uh, unlocking AOV. You gotta you gotta push AOV up, otherwise you can't afford uh, you can't afford to advertise. You're just not going to compete in this market unless you can push AOV up. How have you guys done that? So we st- uh, well a couple things. Uh, one in card up sells right if you have an ajax card or other cart just push an another item in there uh, and test different items initially we thought it would be a totally different item but turns out if you're in the clothing category you're probably just going to buy another color of the same item mm. if you already like it so yeah try that experiment with in-cart upsells bundling has been huge for us so anytime you can bundle you can discount without discounting by bundling right you, you have to worry about how much you're discounting your brand if you're just offering you know 20% off all the time but you can you can create a ton of value by bundling and still push that AOV up whereas you yeah. know if you're just doing a straight discount you're you're often dropping your AOV those are really the the big two one two for us bundling uh, you can do better job merchandising right customers also bought and multiples like you know buy multiples to save just kind of a form of bundling yeah and then in card upsells those I'd say would be the key key ones I think the one thing I didn't even think of an interesting the majority of our businesses are apparel companies and and I had never even thought of in cart upselling a different color of the same item of course why why wouldn't you do that? That's that's awesome. <laughs> Any apparel brands listening, remember that. <laughs> we ran through a ton of data and was like, oh, wow. Actually, it turns out that, you know, if if you're in the bra space and you're buying a bra, uh, it's, you're more likely to buy a, a second color of the same. Totally, bra. totally. Yeah. And, and and that's a, a, you know, pretty common for like different sort of occasions and different things that you're wearing. And of course, I mean, I think of like myself, I wear two items. Uh, one of our companies, Dwelling, uh, I have this in three colors and it's all I wear during the winter. And then Lululemon on the yep. bottom. And that's oh, all man. I wear the entire winter. You know, it took me forever, Jordan, to get on the Lululemon bandwagon. I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So I'm similar. I, I The Lululemon shirt, this shirt, yeah. I have in like six colors. And that's that's what I do. I just I just wear that that shirt because it's so comfortable. It just works. That's great. I'm just yeah. outside of Vancouver. So I uh, my, my dream is to find Chip one day and go have a, a nice conversation with him. But uh, still never bumped oh, into cool. him. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's another uh, great uh, case study, or I, at least I feel it is, of, you know, private equity investing. Private equity came in in, in, in Lululemon's history, you know, in like 2013 with Chip, took a majority yeah. stake, and then he stayed on. And, you know, then they had another private equity firm come in or a couple other, and then eventually went public. So I think in the genesis of, you know, your company life at some point probably makes sense to bring in private equity or an outside investor. He's also though, a good case study in what to to still protect your at least your board seat, right, and your position. Yes. Um, especially yes. for him being I mean, and not really knowing him tons, only ever reading his book, but seems like 
I've been in business long enough to know that he is seems like a micromanager who is incredibly like product driven. I, I, I have friends like that too, where I'm like, I could never work with you. But Chip has <laughs> obviously built an incredible company, right? But he's he's a good case study in in making sure you do your due diligence on your private equity partners. Agreed. Yeah, and definitely you're going to protect your board seats. I mean, we have board seats on our, you know, new LLC. So Hmm. Garrett, I got three more questions for you. This is this has been this has been great. You're you're really uh, helping me more so than any uh, of our listeners. But uh, I know our, our listeners will appreciate this one too. Uh, three more questions for you. First question: Favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Favorite tool or app that I'm using right now? Oh dang, Slack. Use it every day. I'm yeah, probably overused, but there you go. I have a love love hate relationship with Slack. I'm like, it's the best tool in the world. I can't imagine running a companies without it, and yet it takes up so much of my time communicating with employees all the time and with our management teams and stuff. So I don't know what Slack, I don't know what you can do to to help us out here, but uh, <laughs> that's how I feel about Slack. Yeah. <laughs> Second question for you here, favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now? Oh yeah. So I will cycle through some good Tim Ferriss stuff, but I would say the one I've been returning to the most is uh, Peter Atia The Drive, if you're into any kind of health longevity oh. type stuff. Cool. I'm going to add that uh, add that to my list. I'm looking for some some new ones right now. And we'll make sure, uh, obviously, anything we talk about here, guys, we'll uh, go into the show notes. Uh, Garrett, last question for you. If you could sit down with anybody, uh, they have to be alive, and you get an hour with them. You can have some coffee, tea, beer, wine, whatever you like. Who would it be? Uh, I think at the moment, who I'd most like to sit down with would be John Doerr, investor, legendary investor, um, and talk to him about climate change and what the future looks like, what he's investing in. That'd be a mm. great conversation for an hour. Interesting. We've never had that one before. Uh, that's great. Garrett, thanks so much for your time today. This was a, a great conversation. Uh, I just really enjoyed getting to know about you and, and about your brand. Where can people find out more about you and connect with you? Yeah, sure. You can connect with me on Twitter at Geekerson or G-E Akerson at Twitter. Find me on LinkedIn or shoot me an email at kinderbravelygarrett at kinderbravely.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks, Jordan. It was great. Hey, guys. We hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.